Welcome to the Vineyard Church of Greater Portland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Mario Mastin. For more podcasts and other resources, please visit www.vineyardportland.org. This morning we are going to be, and we already are, celebrating Easter Sunday, the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And um, as we celebrate his resurrection this morning, we recognize that Jesus was raised from the dead by the life-giving Spirit of God. He didn't raise himself from the dead. He was raised by the Spirit of God. And you know, the truth is this. Because Jesus was raised from the dead bodily by the Spirit of the living God, our lives are not the same. Paul put it this way, guy who wrote a bunch of letters in the New Testament. He said this, And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. So the resurrection of Jesus by the spirit of God had more to do than just with the resurrection of Jesus. It had to do with his spirit coming to live in you and me. You know, each year when we celebrate Easter, we focus on the person of Jesus. The one who died on the cross, the one who was buried in the tomb, and the one who was raised again on the third day. And it's right that we should, because he is both Lord and Savior. He really is the focus of Easter. He is the one that the Bible says who conquered the last enemy. And in doing that, he triumphed over death in a way that no one else ever has. But I want you to see this this morning on this Easter Sunday morning. As much as we focus on the person of Jesus, and rightly so, I want you to see this. His resurrection would not have been possible apart from the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote, as I read a moment ago, that Jesus was raised from the dead by the Spirit of God. His resurrection would not have been possible apart from the work and the agency of the Holy Spirit. Beginning today and for the next eight weeks, we are going to go on a journey together as a church, studying the person of the Holy Spirit. And specifically, the road to Pentecost. Because from now, Easter Sunday, through Pentecost, eight weeks from now, we have the story contained in the scripture of the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit, beginning at Easter and culminating with Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is how God gets things done. The Holy Spirit is God and he's how God gets things done. 
He was there, you know, at the very beginning. At the point of creation. When creation was in a state of chaos, the Holy Spirit was present. This is what's recorded in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, right at the beginning of the Bible. It says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Spirit of God was there right at the birth of creation. Waiting, hovering. And then we read in the scripture that God spoke into that chaos of creation these words let there be light. And the Spirit of God brought form to the formless, He brought filling to the emptiness, He brought light to the darkness. He really is how God gets things done. He was there at creation, but He was also there. At Easter, at the point of new creation made possible by the power of Jesus' resurrection. So today, I want you to see with me for a few minutes who the Holy Spirit is, how the Holy Spirit is revealed in the story of Easter. And what that revelation of who the Holy Spirit is and how he's revealed in Easter means for our own lives. Because as I said a few minutes ago, it's because of what the Spirit of God did in raising Jesus from the dead that our lives are not the same. So what is this glorious, triumphant story of Easter that we're celebrating today on Resurrection Sunday tell us about the Holy Spirit and his part in the story of Jesus? And not only that. His part in our story with Jesus. The first thing I want you to see is this, that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Easter. This is the first thing that we see about the Holy Spirit and the vital part that he plays in the Easter drama. He is the one who causes Jesus, as I said, to be raised from the dead. He is the one who takes Jesus' lifeless body in the tomb. And breathes new life into it. Just as he was the breath of life. Breathed into Adam. So he has become. So that he became rather a living being. He is the breath of life that was breathed into Jesus. Whom the Bible describes as the second Adam. So that he became living Lord who had conquered death. Luke gives us a great picture of this in his story of Easter. Here's part of it, and this is what he says. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. It was the Spirit's power 
on Jesus that set him apart from all the other pretended messiahs of his day. It marked his ministry from the moment of his baptism to the moment of his resurrection. The distinctive of Jesus the Messiah and Jesus the minister is and was the Holy Spirit of God. The very word Messiah means anointed one. Jesus was anointed with the Spirit of God. With God's power and God's presence as a mantle over his life. Here in the Easter story, it unfolds, and as it does, it appears for a moment almost as if the Holy Spirit is checked out on Jesus because Jesus is taken and tried and crucified and dies and is buried in a tomb. And it's almost like the Spirit of God is checked out on Jesus at that point. But of course, that's not the reality. He was in that place, dying in our place, paying for our sin, entering into the place of death for us. But three days later, we're celebrating here on this Easter Sunday morning, God raised him from the dead. The disciples, at the point that Jesus died, thought that their hopes and dreams in him, for him, and with him had died as well. On that Easter morning, three days later, the Holy Spirit's great work kicked in. And he that was dead came to life again. But raising Jesus from the dead was not the only thing that the Holy Spirit was up to on Easter Sunday morning. And it's important that we get that this morning. He was also beginning something that we worship to several times in two of those four songs that we sang this morning. He was into something else. And that something else was new creation. Not just Jesus' resurrection, but through Jesus' resurrection, ushering in the possibility of new creation. And that's the second thing I want you to see about the Holy Spirit this morning, that he's not just the spirit of Easter, he is the spirit of new creation. God is continuing to create. And he does it through the person and agency of the Holy Spirit. Just as he was there in presence and power at the moment of creation, now he is here in presence and power at the moment of new creation. In raising Jesus to new life, he made new life possible for you and me. Here's the connection between what happened then and what's happening now. In raising Jesus to new life, the Spirit of God made new life possible for you and for me. As he breathed that new life into Jesus, he made it possible for that new life to be breathed into us, into each person here, into each person on this planet. For God's not a respecter of persons and desires to breathe his life in new creation into every person. That's why Jesus came. After his resurrection, Jesus does something that's truly amazing. 
that speaks to this new reality made possible because of the resurrection. Let me paint a little picture for you. It's the first evening, it's the evening of the first day of the week. The disciples are gathered together with the doors locked, the scripture says, because they're afraid of the Jews. And Jesus shows up and he says to them, Peace be with you. Then he shows them his hands, the scripture says, and his side. And the disciples are overjoyed. It's the Lord. He's alive. He's risen. Then John describes something amazing that Jesus does. And this is what he writes. And again, Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then look at this. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. In this act, Jesus is bringing New Testament substance to the Old Testament shadow. Let me explain what I mean by that for a moment. What was prophesied under the Old Covenant in the Old Testament Hebrew Scriptures is being fulfilled now in the life and ministry of Jesus and and the life and ministry of all those who are his followers, his disciples. Let me explain by reading a a brief parallel passage from the book of Ezekiel. Now this is a passage, let me set it up, where the prophet Ezekiel is speaking of a spirit-engendered vision that he gets. The spirit gives him a vision, and he gives word to it. And this is what he says, The hand of the Lord was upon me. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. And it was full of bones. And he led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of that valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you. And you will come to life. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. So what then does this vision that Ezekiel had way back in the Old Testament, have to do with the reality of Easter and the new creation. This vision that God gave to Ezekiel is a prophetic picture of what God intended to do and what God actually did in and through the presence and ministry of the Holy Spirit in the resurrection of Jesus. He breathed new life into the dead body of his son. And in his resurrection, he became something that Paul calls in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In his resurrection, Jesus became a kind of first fruits. In other words, a prototype of that which was to follow. Stay with me here. This This is part of the glorious reality of Easter Sunday morning. The Bible tells us that in our natural state, you and I are dead to God, 
Paul says in Ephesians 2.1, in our transgressions and sins. That's our natural condition. In other words, spiritually speaking, in our natural state, we are lifeless, dry bones. But through the cross of Christ, our transgressions and sins have been taken care of by his sacrifice. We are no longer alienated from God. And in his resurrection, through the Spirit of God, he breathes into our spirit, into our life, the very breath that makes us come alive to him in what the Bible calls regeneration. We have become, in other words, a new creation in Christ. And every person who puts their faith in Christ is made alive to God and becomes a new creation. That's what we were singing about this morning. This is exactly and emphatically what the Bible says. From the pen of Paul again. Therefore, and I will say parenthetically, in the light of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, which is what Paul is kind of talking about in the lead up to this. Therefore, in the light of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And what does this new creation mean? It means a new life coursing through our bodies. The life of heaven on earth that we get to experience through the presence of the Holy Spirit living in us. That's what this Easter story is about. It's about new creation, about new life. And with that new life comes something else, guys. A new vocation. And it's called the ministry of reconciliation. Paul goes on to say this, and this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God reconciling the world to himself in Christ. That's what he did at Easter. He reconciled the world to himself. God does not need to be reconciled to us. We need to be reconciled to God. And God made that reconciliation possible through Jesus. Death, burial, and resurrection. Paul says that he was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the, ministry, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We've been made a new creation. We've been given a new vocation vocation and that vocation is the message and ministry of reconciliation where God makes his very appeal in love to the world through us through those that are in Christ God has breathed a new life into dry bones we've been made alive to Christ the new life we've been given unites us to him it relates us to the father in heaven through the presence of the indwelling spirit. But he does something more. It means we've been given this ministry and this message of reconciliation. We are a new creation in Christ. As a people and as persons. And we've been entrusted with this message and this ministry of reconciliation. And that means something about the way we live. As God's new creation people, we are to let others know this. That God no longer counts their sins against them. 
We're not supposed to be pointing people's sins out. We're supposed to be bringing the good news that God no longer counts their sins against them because of what he did for them in his son Jesus. God no longer counts their sins against them, but rather offers them a reconciled relationship with his father. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he offers them new life through the presence of his spirit. Easter means that as God's people living in the second decade of the 21st century, we are agents of reconciliation. If you are a Christian here this morning, you are an agent of reconciliation in this second decade of the 21st century in the name of Christ. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, Jesus wants to come and live in you. He wants to breathe his spirit into your spirit, make you alive to God and entrust to you that same message and ministry of reconciliation that you can offer to others. We are to breathe that ministry and that message. We're to inhale it into our spirit by faith. We're to exhale it into the world around us by telling people how much God loves them and what he has done for them in Christ. And this is the pivotal moment in the Christian calendar where we speak to that. Thirdly and finally, I want you to see this. That the spirit, which is the spirit of Easter, which is the spirit of new creation, is also this spirit of resurrection. The same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is raising people spiritually to life all the time around us. There's no more beautiful miracle to behold than when God gets hold of a life and brings dead bones, dry dead bones, to life again and breathes into them with his very life and his very purpose, and his very plan for them. Seeing people trapped in a death spiral of alienation, or addiction, or anxiety, or boredom, or fear, or hopelessness, or loneliness, or materialism, or narcissism, or pain, or purposelessness. Seeing those people set free and made alive to God is an awesome transformation to witness. When and wherever this happens, the Holy Spirit is at work. And he's bringing the power of resurrection into the presence of people's lives. It's Paul again who spoke to this. And this is what he said about the spirit of resurrection. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. God's intention for you and me is that we live a new life, not the old one, that we be that new creation. Paul goes on to say, if we have been united with him like this in death, we will certainly also be united with him in resurrection. You know, that's our hope as Christians. Our hope as Christians is not the cross. Our hope as Christians is resurrection. The cross made resurrection necessary. The cross eliminated the alienation from God. The cross took care of our transgressions and sins. But the thing that gives us hope for today and tomorrow is the power of resurrection. This is why as Christians, we gather and worship God on Sunday. 
Not just on Easter Sunday, but every Sunday. We do that because Sunday marks the day of hope, of power released in the resurrection of Jesus. That's where your hope resides. There are many here this morning who have experienced baptism into Christ's death and into his resurrection and have received new life. The rescuing, resurrecting power of the Spirit in their lives has made them alive to God and set them free both now and forever to enjoy life in and with Christ. You know, each person who enters into that relationship with Jesus through the Spirit receives through resurrection a new life and a new freedom. But there's something more that comes with the story of Easter made possible by the Spirit of resurrection, and it's this. And this is what I want to end with this morning. Resurrection is the precursor to transformation. God's desire for you is that you be like Jesus. That's the end game. The Bible calls it glorification. It's taking us from where we are to where God intends for us to be in terms of who we are, having our very character changed and transformed into the likeness of Christ. God didn't just save us to keep us as we are. He did it for the purpose of changing us, transforming us. Paul says this, now the Lord is the Spirit. Notice again, it's the Spirit. Who is the Lord? He is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not a force. He's not a, you know, this is not the, you know, this is not Star Wars. It's not the good side and the bad side of the force. The Holy Spirit's not some it floating around in the atmosphere that you tap into. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is the living God. Paul says, no, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Brad led us in that song this morning about freedom. When God breathes into our life through the Spirit of God, it's a breath of liberation, of freedom. We sang this morning about every chain being broken. That happens when the Spirit of God's released into our lives. And we receive Him. We don't do that ourselves. It's God that does that. But He doesn't stop there. He doesn't just set us free. He then goes about the process of transforming us into the likeness of Jesus. Paul says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being what? transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord and again he tells us who the Lord is who is the Spirit you get the point here that the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead breathes into us that same new life that was breathed into Jesus so we too in our natural state of dry, dead bones, can come alive to God. And then, from that moment on, he begins a process of changing us into the very likeness of Jesus. So Easter is so much more than just the resurrection of Jesus, as glorious as that is, and that is the foundation of our hope. It's about the fact that we get in on that too. We get over time to become like Jesus. 
Now, if you look in the mirror in the morning, you think, oh, you know, I don't feel like I'm much like Jesus. <laughs> I mean, that happened to me this morning. Truth in advertising, let me tell you. Three, I tried to get out of the door early this morning. I said to Ruth, hey, babe, I want to get to church early this morning. It's Easter Sunday morning. I've got some things to do. Got up early. Got everything ready. And I had to run down the road to get something. Came back. Three times I tried to make it. I don't usually leave the house without a cup of tea. Three times I tried to make a cup of tea. I'm not going to tell you the horror story. It didn't work out either time. <laughs> then we get into the car. I'm not in the best frame of mind. And I'm like, this is Easter Sunday morning. I'm supposed to be celebrating the resurrection, and I've got an attitude on because I don't have a cup of tea. <laughs> and this is the truth. You can check it out with her later. It wasn't a pretty picture. And I'm sat in the car. And all of a sudden, I said, I don't have my wallet. Where's my wallet? Then I get out of the car, and I'm like in this crazy mode, racing around the house trying to find my wallet, and I can't find it. I look everywhere. I put on a, an, an earlier coat I put on when I went out because it was a little chilly. I took it off. I'm going through all the pockets. I go upstairs. I'm like, uh, like frantic. It, it was not good. And then I'm thinking, the time. i got to get to church. The way God does these things is like, Afterwards, you feel like, mm. <laughs> so I get in the car and I said, okay, we're going to have to go back to, to Rite Aid. Uh, I think I must have left my wallet down there. So Ruth goes to get back in the car and she says, oh, honey, here it is. I've been sat on it. <laughs> she got in the car, sat on my wallet. The reason I'm sharing, this has nothing to do with resurrection, but the reason I'm saying this is because I just want you to know this process of transformation is an ongoing thing, okay? So don't hear me say you're supposed to be fully transformed right now. You're probably further down that road than I am, but it's a process, okay? So God is gracious with us, you know? He allowed me to stand here and preach this morning, and if you'd seen me earlier... You would have said, nah, he's disqualified today. <laughs> so I just want to close with this this morning and say, if you were here on this Resurrection Sunday, and this, this life I've been talking about, this breath of the Holy Spirit, is something you may have heard about before, but it's not something that's been a part of your experience. God's saying to you this morning, it can be, and he wants it to be. Um, you can be born of his spirit today. Those dry bones can come to life. God wants to breathe into them, spiritually speaking. You can know the spirit of Easter, the spirit of new creation, the spirit of resurrection. And let me say this, though, about him. He's not predictable. He's incredibly He's all-powerful, but he's not predictable. He's faithful. And powerful, but he's not predictable. So hang on for the ride <laughs> if you open your heart to Jesus. He is, if you like, the surprising spirit. He does things we often don't see coming. But he wants to invite you and I into a never-ending story with what the Bible calls the God who is. As we were reminded earlier this morning, Father Son, and Holy Spirit, the triune God. He wants to invite you into a never-ending adventure and story with him. This is what it means to be born of the Spirit.
This is what it can mean for you in this Easter season. Jesus described it this way. He said this, of those that are born of the Spirit. These are the words of Jesus. He said, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So is everyone born of the Spirit. God's not inviting you into a predictable relationship. He's inviting you into a living relationship with him, born of and empowered by the Spirit of God. You can be born of the Spirit this morning and say yes to Jesus. And the story of Easter can become your story today. And I would say this to those that are a part of the church here and here this morning, who I know you're already on a journey with Jesus. The story of Easter is already part of your story. Jesus is already your Lord and Savior. I would just say to you this, this Easter time, open your heart even more to the more that God has to give of his spirit, of his spirit's presence and power in healing and deliverance and growth. Amen.